This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today, Pastor Greg Scalzo will be continuing the sermon on King Solomon's reign, part of his teaching series on heavenly authority. Before we go into the sermon, let me invite you to visit us on the web at www.shiarjeshub.org. Make it your site for serious Bible study. You wonder what would happen if in digging they come across that ark. What would that mean in the way world affairs will go? What would it mean for that dome of the rock? What happens if one of the diggers touches that ark? What would happen at that site? What would the the Orthodox Jews do if they found out the ark is really down there and there's proof of it? Um, it would set world affairs uh, in an uproar. Uh, let's go on. In verse 9 of 1 Kings chapter 8, nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell forever. And the glory of God comes down upon the ark as before. Just like they would say, come to your resting place when they would travel and then stop and set up the tent, the tabernacle, and bring the ark in. And after they had set it up and the Levites and priests withdrew, the presence of God came down. Now the Shekinah glory, the presence of God, comes down at the temple. Notice, though, that in the ark, all that was in, nothing was in the ark, and we read it also in Chronicles, so again it's repeated twice, except the two stone tablets which Moses put in there. So there's no mention of the pot of manna, and there's no longer any mention of the rod, the blossoming rod of Aaron. And there, I mean, there's different ways you could look at that. Perhaps the authority, we've seen what's happened to the priesthood up at Shiloh under Eli. Uh, and obviously the priesthood would continue, but the specialty of it, from this point on, we'll start to have the prophets tell us of a better priesthood under a new covenant. And the pot of manna spoke about how God would provide for his people and the supernatural provision. And yet we're heading towards a time here now when there would be, this is the golden age. This is the pinnacle. The building projects that Solomon would make was spectacular. The kingdom could have been a city on a hill, the light to the world. Never was such grandeur in Israel. But we will head, because of sin, to a time of punishment and exile. Maybe that's why that part of manna is gone. I'm not sure. But the word of God endures forever. And so the tablets of Moses are still there. Second Chronicles chapter 8. We talked at length about the marriage and the contract that Solomon made with Pharaoh's daughter, the Egyptian. And in chapter 8, it goes through all the additional achievements in 1 Kings. It talks about all the many building projects that Solomon is able to construct. And then in chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Now Solomon brought the daughter of Pharaoh 
up from the city of David. So he takes her out of the city of David to the house he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places which the ark of the Lord has come are holy. He builds a nice palace for her, one of the building projects. He takes her out of Jerusalem, the city of David. And the reason is she cannot dwell in the house of David. She cannot be any place where the ark of God has been because the ark of the Lord, any place it's come, it's in Zion, it's in Jerusalem, those areas are holy. What does he believe about his marriage to Pharaoh's daughter, to the Egyptian woman? He knows it's wrong, right? But all that wisdom, he knows it's wrong. He knows it's not holy. He knows she's an unbeliever. He knows she's a pagan worshiper. And he doesn't want to defile his father's house, nor the holiness of Jerusalem. So he builds her a beautiful palace to put her in. And that's confirmation of what we studied. In order for the treaty, when you try to do things the world's way, when you try to have security the world's way, and Solomon makes his treaty in a worldly way, it's not holy, it's not good. And Solomon recognizes that by the fact that he has to remove her, and he builds her a nice place. But you know, when you start to have as many wives and as many concubines as Solomon is going to get for himself because of treaties and trade agreements, and he starts to like them then, what do you do with all of them? Do you build palaces for all of them? And what about their religious practices? You don't want to defile Jerusalem, but what are you going to do to Israel? And we'll read about that. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 24 again. But Pharaoh's daughter came up from the city of David to her house, which Solomon had built for her. And it gives all the building projects, describes this golden age. And then in 1 Kings chapter 10, we have the queen of Sheba. She's hearing about Solomon and all the wonders that the rumors are having among the nations about this King Solomon. Um, chapter 10, verse 1, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. So she first has to hear. And once she hears, she decides to come and to test and to give him hard questions that he has to answer. Let's see really how wise he is. She's a skeptic. She's a doubter. Now, Sheba, there's debate over where she's from. Um, most say that Sheba is in the southwestern section of the Arabian Peninsula, uh, the area that would now be Yemen. Um, others see it as saying that she's a queen of Egypt herself, others that she's from the region of Ethiopia. Uh, in Luke chapter 11, we'll be going back to the scripture several times. In Luke 11, 31, Jesus tells us that she's the queen of the south. Luke 11, 31, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, the uttermost parts. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. So he calls her the queen of the south, and the Lord tells us she's coming from great distances. 
And it's very possible that if Sheba is in that southwestern section of Arabia, we'll see later on that her authority, her possessions could have extended far beyond that into Africa, into southern Africa. And indeed, she is a queen of the south. Uh, in Sheba, in southwest Arabia, there were caravan routes because of the dry region that would carry precious commodities of perfumes and incense. So it became a commercial center, it became a commercial power, and it could have easily had colonies or areas that it got, it received some of its items from that she had authority over so that her range would extend beyond just southwest Arabia and into those areas where the perfumes, the incense, the gold would come from. She's a powerful lady of her time. She's a wealthy queen, and she wonders about Solomon's wisdom. And when she arrives, she's overwhelmed by the splendor of the court and by Solomon's wisdom. Verse 2, she came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold. She has access to a lot of gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. All that was in her heart. She opens her heart up. She wants to know. She wants to understand. She's skeptical, and she's asking him the hard questions. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult or too difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon... So she hears, she doubts, she comes, she tests, she tells all that's in her heart, and then she sees. She hears his wisdom, she sees the houses that he has built, verse 5, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. She sees his servants, his servants, how they're dressed, how they act, give testimony that this is a real kingdom. Give testimony to Solomon. And she sees the entryway, the gate, the door to the house of the Lord. What does it say at the end of verse 5? There was no more spirit in her. There was nothing too difficult for Solomon to answer. And the kingdom that she saw, that she heard, that the servants gave testimony to, the door to that temple, the entryway to the Lord, that she all of a sudden became aware of, overwhelmed her, and there was no more spirit. There was no more fight. She could no longer kick against the goad she gives up and accepts this kingdom. And she loves now this kingdom and desires to do something for this kingdom of Solomon because there was nothing too difficult for him to answer. And remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 and verse 31. And indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Verse 6, she said to the king, it was a true report. It was true, which I heard in my own land about your words, your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came 
and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy, blessed are your men, and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, so how long does God love Israel? Forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. You have here, out of the mouth of the queen of the south, a tremendous statement on heavenly authority. Why did God make Solomon king? He made you king, why? Verse 9, to do justice and righteousness. That is the purpose of any leadership. That is the purpose of any authority God gives. Not to build themselves up, and we'll see how much gold Solomon pulls to himself later on. We've read about a great beginning here. Someone that asked the Lord the right thing, the correct thing. Someone that built the house of God. But his authority was not to pull wealth to himself, to pull women to himself, to worship pagan gods. The purpose of leadership is to do justice and righteousness. Remember to visit us on the web at www.shiarjashub.org. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B dot O-R-G. And may our Lord Jesus bless you as you serve him.